Our scripture reading comes to us from Romans chapter 5. Romans chapter 5, we'll begin reading in chapter 4 and verse 19. Chapter 4 deals with the example of Abraham who was justified by faith and not by works. So we just read the last few verses from chapter 4 for a bit of um, extra context. Romans chapter 4, beginning at verse 19. And not being weak in faith, he, that is Abraham, did not consider his own body already dead, since he was about a hundred years old, and the deadness of Sarah's womb. He did not waver at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strengthened in faith, giving glory to God. And being fully convinced that what he had promised, he was also able to perform. And therefore it was accounted to him for righteousness. Now it was not written for his sake alone that it was imputed to him, but also for us. It shall be imputed to us who believe in him who raised up Jesus our Lord from the dead, who was delivered up because of our offenses and was raised because of our justification." Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom also we have access by faith into this grace in which we stand and rejoice in hope of the glory of God. And not only that, but we also glory in tribulations, knowing that tribulation produces perseverance and perseverance character and character hope. And now hope does not disappoint, because the love of God has been poured out in our hearts by the Holy Spirit who was given to us. For when we were still without strength, in due time Christ died for the ungodly. For scarcely for a righteous man will one die, yet perhaps for a good man someone would even dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love toward us, in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Much more then, having now been justified by his blood, we shall be saved from wrath through him. For if when we were enemies we were reconciled to God through the death of his Son, much more, having been reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. And not only that, but we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we now have received the reconciliation. Therefore, just as through one man sin entered the world, and death through sin, and thus death spread to all men because all sinned, for until the law sin was in the world, but sin is not imputed when there is no law, nevertheless death reigned from Adam to Moses, even over those who had not sinned according to the likeness of the transgression of Adam, who is a type of him who was to come. But the free gift is not like the offense. For if by the one man's offense many died, much more the grace of God and the gift by the grace of the one man, Jesus Christ, abounded to many. And the gift is not like that which came through the one who sinned. 
for the judgment which came from the one offense resulted in condemnation. But the free gift, which comes from many offenses, resulted in justification. For if by the one man's offense death reigned through the one, much more those who received abundance of grace and of the gift of righteousness will reign in life through the one, Jesus Christ. Therefore, as through one man's offense, judgment came to all men, resulting in condemnation, even so through one, through one man's righteous act, the free gift came to all men, resulting in justification of life. For as by one man's disobedience many were made sinners, so also by one man's obedience many will be made righteous. Moreover, the law entered that the offense might abound, but where sin abounded, grace abounded much more, so that as sin reigned in death, even so grace might reign through righteousness to eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. This far the reading of God's holy and errant and infallible word. And in connection with this, I would also like to read the Catechism, Lord's Day 23, which can be found on page 51 in the back of your Psalter. Page 51 in the back of the Psalter. It's been some time now since we have taken up the Catechism, and this is a fitting time to pick it up, since at this time of year we also remember the Reformation, and Lord's Day 23 deals with justification, which was one of the main themes of the Reformation. And so in Lord's Day 23, on page 51, in the back of your Psalter, the first question asks, but what does it profit you now that you believe all this? And that question is referring to the last number of Lord's Days that we dealt with that explained the articles of faith, the Apostles' Creed. It says, what, what does it profit you now that you believe all these? We confess, use this confession every afternoon on the Lord's Day. And the answer is that I am righteous in Christ before God and an heir of eternal life. Question 60 asks, how are you righteous before God? The answer is only by a true faith in Jesus Christ. So that, though my conscience accuse me that I have grossly transgressed all the commandments of God and kept none of them, and am still inclined to all evil, notwithstanding God, without any merit of mine, but only of mere grace, grants and imputes to me the perfect satisfaction, righteousness, and holiness of Christ, even so as if I never had had nor committed any sin, yea, as if I had fully accomplished all that obedience which Christ has accomplished for me, inasmuch as I embrace such a benefit with a believing heart. And question 61 asks, Why do you say that you are righteous by faith only? And the answer is, Not that I am acceptable to God on account of the worthiness of my faith, but because only the satisfaction righteousness and holiness of Christ is my righteousness before God and that I can receive it and apply the same to myself in, in no other way than by faith only.
So our text for this morning then is Romans 5 verse 1, where Paul says, Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. We'll begin with asking this question, have you been justified? There was a man who was raised in the Roman Catholic Church, and you know his name very well, Martin Luther, and he dedicated himself to the religion. He became a monk, later became a priest, and at one point in time in the early 1500s, he was sent to Rome. He struggled a lot with the questions of how can I be right with God, and they they sent him to Rome, and there they had promised, they said, if you climb these steps, there were some stone steps which they claimed came from Jerusalem that the Lord Jesus had actually walked up. And so they said, if you climb these steps on your knees, and God will forgive your sins by the time you come to the top. And so he went up those steps on his knees. He kissed every step. He recited the Lord's Prayer. When he came to the top, he did not feel any closer to God. He still had no answer to his question of, am I right with God? And so there he began to realize that He needed to find the Lord somewhere else than in his own works. Because for many years, for 15 years, he'd been working to try to be approved by God. He'd dedicated himself to prayers and to fasting and to vigils. He he sacrificed in various ways, even subjecting himself to freezing temperatures, all trying to be righteous before God. But then as he was studying the Word of God, He came to that passage in Romans 1, verse 17, where it says, For in it the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith, as it is written, the just shall live by faith. And there he began to see that it was the righteousness of Christ that God gives to his people that justifies them in the sight of God. That you find peace with God not based on your own works, but only through what the Lord Jesus Christ had done. And it is by faith, the just shall live by faith, by trusting in the Lord Jesus Christ and that finished work that he has done. And so from the work of Martin Luther, that that, that theme of, of justification became central in the Reformation. It's a dominant theme here in Romans as well. And it must be a dominant theme in our own hearts to understand who we are in the sight of God and how we can be right with God. And so our theme this morning then is justification. And the first question we'll ask is, what is it? What is justification? Well, justification is is a legal term. It's, It's a legal declaration where the judge declares a person not guilty. He acquits him of what otherwise you'd be charged with. And so justification, it takes place in the court of heaven. It's God, the judge, who acquits a sinner, who justifies the sinner. This is the judge of heaven and earth, the God who cannot lie, who who is the one who justifies a sinner for the sake of the Lord Jesus Christ. And if God declares a sinner justified, then you have a right legal standing with God. And justification is is a one-time act. It only happens once in the life of a sinner at the moment that they are saved. 
the moment they believe, the moment they are regenerated. And it's a complete acquittal. It's a complete forgiveness of all their sin. It's a perfect justification. And it lasts to all eternity. It can never be changed again. And so here, as we notice in, in Romans 5, verse 1, we can ask, what does this justification produce? What is the value of it? Because here it says, Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God. It produces this peace with God. And that means that before this happens, there is no peace with God. That means that if there's no peace, there's actually war, there's contention. Romans 1 verse 18 says, The wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all unrighteousness and ungodliness of men. That's a wrath that God reveals against all those who oppose Him. God is angry with the wicked every day. And that's because man has rebelled against God, broken His holy law. Ephesians 2 speaks of believers and says that even we also were under, were children of wrath. Everyone begins under the wrath of God because of the broken law. And all sin requires a guilty verdict from the judge. Because of sin, we are subject to that eternal wrath of God. And a holy God must deal with sin. But not only must God deal with our sin, we, when we're born in sin, are also at enmity with God. We're also at war with God. Romans 8 verse 7 says that the carnal mind is enmity with God, against God. For it, cannot, it is not subject to the law of God, neither indeed can be. The natural human heart cannot obey God's word. It's at enmity. It rebels against God. It fights against God. Our will against His will. But once a person is justified, having been justified, then there is peace with God. And so what is that peace? What does that peace with God mean? Well, it means that God is favorable toward His people. It means that you have access into His presence without being exposed to His holy wrath and His condemnation. There is, there is a friendship. There is a, the relationship that is identified even as a father and a child in His family. And this peace is an objective. It's an external peace. It's an external to us. This is a peace that is made in the court of heaven. Because the Bible also speaks of a different peace, of the peace of God. It's a, it's a subjective peace. It's a peace that is internal to the people of God, a peace that you experience and that you know in your heart, as Romans 15 verse 13 says, may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing. It's a peace that God gives through the fruit, or that's the fruit of the Spirit of God that, that He gives. And so this internal peace, it can, it can fluctuate in our lives. We might It'll grow during our life. It follows well, but we do not always have a sense of that peace. But here, Paul is speaking specifically of that object of peace, that peace with God, a peace that is 
external to his people, a peace that is produced in heaven and a peace that concerns your legal standing before God the judge. And this peace means that there is no war. There is peace between God and you. And maybe you can think of this slight example. If you've never broken the law here in this country, then the judge has nothing against you. The judge cannot condemn you for doing anything wrong if you've not done anything wrong. The police won't come looking for you. There is peace between you and the law, between the judge. But if you broke the law, then there would be war. Then they would be out for your arrest. Then they would need to punish you. And if you had came to stand before the judge, you would be uh, condemned. But even if you've never broken the law, and you have nothing to worry about, there's peace between you, you might not, not always feel that peace. You know how it is sometimes you, you see a, a cop coming towards you and you wonder, well, did I do something wrong? And there's, there, there's an unsettled feeling. There's, there's an unsettling of the internal peace. But it's the external peace that really matters, that there is nothing between you and the law. And so when there's peace with God, then there is that peace between you and the law of God and that righteous judge even though his people might not always have a full sense of that peace. And you might still worry, does, is God going to punish me? But there is no reason to worry. And so we, can, we need to know why this peace then is possible. Why is this peace possible for us? What happened to make this peace? Because Luther's question, how can a sinful man be right with God? Luther found out the hard way, and Paul, in a sense, did too, that, he, that they, they tried to work for their righteousness. They tried to do the right things of praying and working and, and fasting and vigils, uh, trying to be accepted by God, and they could not get any further. But in verse 1, it says, therefore, having been justified. And that word, therefore, it, it always points us back to what has been explained before. Paul has been teaching us in chapter 4. In verse 22 we read, And therefore it was accounted to Abraham for righteousness. And in verse 24 it says, It shall be imputed to us who believe in him who raised up Jesus our Lord from the dead. So first we want to look at these, these two words, accounted and imputed. Because these are also, uh, they, they come from the same root word, and these are financial terms, financial or accounting terms that, that mean to credit, to credit something to your account. Like when you receive a credit at your bank, it, they, they put money into your bank, you receive a credit. And so what is being imputed to you here? Well, it's the righteousness of Christ imputed to those who believe. The righteousness of Christ is credited to your account. And again, we need to ask, well, what is this righteousness? Well, this righteousness means we are, you are right with God according to His law. If you are righteous, then you have a right standing before the court of God. And there's two ways to be right with God. 
When Adam was created, God told him he had to obey the law. If he would have obeyed the law perfectly, he would have been righteous with God and inherited eternal life. But here, we are long past that. Here we depend on the righteousness of Christ that is imputed to us. And so if you are righteous, it means you are right with the law. The law cannot condemn you or accuse you of anything under the judge. But we know that this is not the case for us. We do not have a perfect righteousness. Because Romans 3 said there is none righteous, no, not one. And that means we're all guilty before God. And Isaiah says even that all our righteousness are even as filthy rags. The best works that we can do are still stained with sin in the sight of God. And so really we have a double problem, don't we? We cannot fill up our spiritual bank account with our own works. Because there are no works that are good enough to count for anything in the sight of God. And so we have, first of all, because of our sins, we have an infinite sin debt. We have such a great debt that we cannot pay off. And all the works that we do do are not acceptable in the sight of God. So instead of building our account, it's decreasing even more. But here we say, see that, that great change where he says, justified through our Lord Jesus Christ, having been justified means that something now has changed that. Because having been justified is something that is, is God has done. Giving peace with God. His righteousness imputed to those who believe. If we look at the Lord Jesus Christ when he lived on this earth. He lived a perfect life. Holy in the sight of his Father. He, he delighted to do the will of his Father. He never sinned in, in any point. He obeyed that law. He is the righteous one. And then in addition to this, we also need to consider the word uh, forgiveness or pardon. Because pardon or forgiveness is also a, a financial term, which means canceling the debt. Through the Lord Jesus Christ, our sin debt is paid. The Lord Jesus was that perfect sacrifice for sin. He was that lamb without blemish who was uh, sacrificed on the cross. And on the cross there, he paid that sin debt in full for his people with his own life. That was our sin debt against God that Christ took on himself. And there he bore that wrath of God against our sin upon the Lord Jesus Christ. And there he satisfied that justice of God and he, he, by paying the debt. And so, we being bankrupt because we can never pay for our sins against God, here God has chosen now to cancel that debt forever that infinite debt for all those who believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. So if we try to put this together now, that, that pardon, that, that pardon of our sin is a cancellation of our sin debt when you come to God. And that brings our, 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 our bank account from a negative infinite balance to a zero balance. It cancels the debt that we had to the Lord. But even with a zero balance, even if all our sins could be forgiven 
that we've ever done in this world, we are, can still not enter the presence of a holy God because we can still not perfectly obey the righteous demands of the law. We are not able to fulfill the law perfectly. He demands a perfect obedience, and that's why in justification we, have, we see both the forgiveness of sins, the cancellation of the debt, but then, as we mentioned earlier, that God imputes the righteousness of Christ. He credits the righteousness of Christ to your account, and He brings now that zero balance to an infinitely positive balance. It's transferred to your account. And these are the two things that we need to remember. And maybe it was a bit difficult to follow as I was trying to explain this, but the, we need to remember these two aspects, that in justification, our infinite sin debt, because we are bankrupt because of our sin, has been canceled. You could say brought to a zero balance. But then God, in, for the sake of the Lord Jesus Christ, He imputes His righteousness. He, he gives His righteousness. He credits it to your account so that you are also seen as righteous in the sight of God, bringing you to a full uh, acceptance in His sight. And this, having been justified, you are then righteous in His sight. Then there's peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. You are right with God, which means that God the Father, the judge, can look upon His people through the Lord Jesus Christ. You being covered in the righteousness of, of the Lord Jesus Christ. And he sees no sin in his people. Even though you have to confess that there is still sin in you, when God looks upon you and you are in Christ, he sees you as perfectly righteous, as you had never had any sin in your life. And if you just look at the question 60, again, it explains it so beautifully in here, of the Lord's Day in page 51. It says that though my conscience accused me, that I have grossly transgressed all the commandments of God and kept none of them, and am still inclined to all evil. Hey, that's how we still are and feel, notwithstanding God, but God, without any merit of mine, but only of mere grace, grants and imputes to me the perfect satisfaction, righteousness, and holiness of Christ, even so as if I never had had nor committed any sin, yea, as if I had fully accomplished all that obedience which Christ has accomplished for me. So when you are justified by God, God the Father, the judge of heaven and earth, looks upon you and sees you as if you never had sinned a single time in your life, and he sees you as if you had perfectly obeyed the positive of his command all your life, that you are perfect in his sight, covered by the Lord Jesus Christ. This then is the Christian's new identity in Christ. This is how you are before God. And this is so important to know because when Satan comes and accuses you of doing wrong, when he, when he comes to 
to, to say, you are not worthy to stand before God. You can say with Luther, yes, I am even worse than that. But Christ, for the sake of Christ, God has forgiven me all my sins. And for the sake of his righteousness, I stand before God holy and righteous in his sight. Or when the law condemns you, when you read and hear the law, which is so important, we can say, yes, I, I fail every day, and yet I, I have an advocate in heaven who has kept the law for me, who has, who has imputed his righteousness to me, and he stands in my place, and therefore I stand before the judge as righteous. If other people accuse us, there might not be peace between us and other people. And yet you may know that before God you are justified, and that's all that matters, though this world comes against you. And though your own conscience accuses you to say, how can I be right with God if I still struggle with so much of my sin? We need to come back here and say, are we in Christ? If we have faith in Christ, and then God sees us as his son, as perfectly righteous, he sees no iniquity in Jacob, he said, in his people, in his beloved. And that's where you begin every day again, that I am in Christ, and therefore we are his and we are, he sees us as if we have no sin. He justifies you. There's peace with God. The judge has nothing against you. If you have to stand in his sight, there is no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. And this is the ground then also for finding that peace in your own soul. This is where it begins. Peace with God. That's where we start. And he can bring that peace with his Holy Spirit into our hearts. And so I ask you now, are you justified? Is God at peace with your soul today? Because then what a blessed blessing it is when his Holy Spirit also witnesses with our spirit that we are the children of God. That that fruit of peace wells up in our hearts knowing that we have life and peace with him. And then we could say with Paul, may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing. May this fill your hearts day and night, that no matter what you have to face in this world, you have that peace and joy with God. And so that's the most important thing, peace with God, because then you are ready to stand before the judge of heaven and earth. Then you can be received as the Son was received of the Father as he came home. Because Hebrews 9 says it is appointed for all men once to die, and then the judgment. Everyone will stand before this judge of heaven and earth. And that's why we need peace with God. But if you do not know if you have peace with God, or if you know you don't have peace with God, then you're not ready to meet this judge. Because this is a judge who cannot lie. Shall not the judge of all the earth do right? And if you have to stand before him with, your, with your, the sins on your own account, if you have to stand there without an advocate, without a savior, and what else can this judge do but say, Depart from me, you workers of iniquity. And what else can he do but make a righteous judgment which says you have sinned against the holy law of God and you must depart out of his holy presence forever. And so your question then is, or it should be, 
How can I receive this peace? Here Paul says, having been justified by faith, we begin at a state of war, not peace. If you think you've been born at peace with God, we need to examine ourselves. We begin in a state of war. And if we don't have peace with God, we can't have peace in our soul. Then we're still under the wrath of God. It means we're not conformable to His law. But in verse 8, it says, But God here demonstrates His own love toward us, in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Christ came to remove that wrath of God that hangs over your head so that He can be able to look upon you in favor through Christ. Through Christ, in Christ, there is peace for every one of those today who would flee to Him. Paul says in 2 Corinthians 5.21, Be reconciled to God And that is what we urge you also today. Be reconciled to God. Come to God through the Lord Jesus Christ because that peace is there. It's available for all those who come to God in Him. That wrath can be removed from your head to have and that enmity that you now feel in your heart against God, that unwillingness, that, that rebellion that's still in your heart. He can remove that as well. And Paul says, by faith, Having been justified by faith, the only way to be justified is by faith in Jesus Christ. We can only receive this salvation through faith. Ephesians 2 verse 8 says, For by grace you are saved through faith, that not of yourselves it is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. It's all the free gift of God. And that's why there's no one here who cannot receive it. Everyone can, has an equal opportunity to come to the Father through Jesus Christ. And Luther came to this understanding that just shall live by faith, faith alone. It's not something we can work up to. It's not something we have to be good enough for. But we must come with that simple faith. Empty hands we come. Empty hands simply to the cross I cling. What is that hymn? And so, and even that faith is a gift of God. Because I know many people struggle, but I don't even have that faith. How can I even get that faith? But even if you realize you don't have it, even that faith is the gift of God. Even that faith and repentance is the work of His Holy Spirit that He freely gives into your heart. You remember the story of the tax collector who came into the back of the temple. He didn't even dare to raise his eyes. And he, he just hit on his chest and said, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. You bring nothing but your sins and say, Lord, can I have this peace? Can I have this forgiveness for the sake of Jesus Christ? Because that sinner, he went home justified. The Lord said, the judge is the one who tells us that that sinner went home justified and not the proud Pharisee that stood bragging about himself. And so it is for you today that you as well can go home justified. By the time you stand up out of this pew, you can go home justified because it is by faith. But it's true saving faith. 
I don't want to get into this too much today, but the Bible describes many types of faith that are not real and not saving. It's not just a mental agreement with the truth. It's not just believing the truth that is spoken, even though it is that, but it's more. And it's not just a decision. We don't have altar calls in this church because it is not the work of men, but the work of God. But true faith is always accompanied by repentance. The two sides of one coin, the evidence in your life that you've come to Christ is there's repentance. That faith is that confidence, that hearty trust, that it is only the righteousness of Christ by which you can stand before the holy God, that you need nothing else and nothing less than the perfection that Christ has merited for his people. And again, the Lord's Day says in Suppression 61, why do you say that you're saved by faith alone? And there the answer is, not that I'm acceptable to God on account of the worthiness of my faith. We don't rest in our faith. Our faith, it doesn't count an ounce toward our salvation but only because the satisfaction, righteousness, and holiness of Christ is my righteousness before God, and that I cannot receive and apply the same to myself any other way than by faith only. If faith is casting yourself, as that tax collector did, upon the Lord for the sake of Jesus Christ, it rests in His Word. It's as if you fall on Him on your knees saying, I have nothing to bring Simply, my sin, my sin is all I have to show. But thou hast said, come. And you receive what he gives in his word as a hand that receives a gift. And the moment you may believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, then you are justified. That's, Psalm 32 says this. It says, when I confess transgression, then you forgave the iniquity of my sin. Then you can know there is peace between God and you. And so this is here for you today. Having been justified by faith, only by a true faith in Jesus Christ. The Catechism also explained, in as much as I embrace such a benefit with a believing heart, that peace also that comes to us must be done with a believing heart. Having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Have you been justified? Do you have peace with God? When you stand up out of your pew today, do you know that if you have to die today, you can stand before the judge of heaven and earth and there will be peace? Amen.